everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, I know we've been hitting Fox News hard, but we're making some real progress in the fight. Ron DeSantis' position on Ukraine is not going to shock you at all, folks, but uh, we'll get into that. Some news from a pretty important investigation out of Georgia. It's been a while since we heard about perfect phone calls, but of course there are more. And some scary news out of South Carolina. We'll get to that. Alex, where should we start? I really want to talk about the perfect phone calls. I'm so excited for that. I feel like every couple months, one leaks, but we got to start with something. I mean, actually, as we were prepping for this show, Joe, a new poll broke. We were talking about it. Uh, our friend Victor Shi, who's been contributing to Resolute Square, pointed this out. But a new poll shows just how our work taking on Fox News has landed. What did you see today? It's interesting because the polls showed that uh, 21% of Fox viewers now have less trust in the network in light of the Dominion Smartmatic lawsuits, and that 13% of the audience no longer believes the election was stolen after they read the text messages that have you know been filed out of that lawsuit coming out. So this is working. It, by the way, Dominion and Smartmatic deserve a lot of credit for the exposing Fox and the lies, but it turns out that it's actually starting to have an impact. You know, a fifth of Fox viewers now, they have less trust in the network. 13% may not sound like, like a lot, but, um, you know, for 13% of that audience to now no longer believe the election was stolen, and not because of Fox's reporting, but because 13% of the audience has read the text messages are seen, whether it was on social media or, or in, in our feeds, comments that made them check them out. Guess what? That's only going to grow. Right. We just have to keep working and we have to keep pounding. The people listening to this are not the ones saying, why do you keep talking about it? Why do you keep talking? But we do see that a lot on Twitter. It's like, why do you keep, why do you keep cutting new ads? I mean, our friends at the Lincoln Project constantly have been on top of the hypocrisy every step of the way. Right. We've been asking him to share. Um, our friends at the union have been really pushing this hard. I think what it comes down to for people to get context on this 21%, Joe, is that's essentially the ban. We're, not, we're never going to move everybody, but those few points of people that are starting to say, well, hang on a minute. If even a small fraction of Tucker Carlson's viewers kind of raise their eyebrow when he's talking. That's all we need. Yeah, well, you got 21%. The Bannon line's been grown. But look, this is the whole reason Resolute Square, you know, was founded. I mean, the whole reason we started it was to basically take on Fox and the disinformation outrage machine is what I call it. It's to take them on and to, to continue this exposure of the lies and the disinformation that they're putting and the danger that they present to, to democracy in the country. And, you know, for it to start to be taking hold with some of their viewers, that's where it hurts, because that's going to hurt um, if people start turning it off and you're starting to see some erosion in trust. And they now know that they've been lied to. And we got to keep that up. But also, I think there's an opening of the ban and line, not just on the Fox News lies, but also I think there's a real opportunity, I think, opening up because of what's happening with the, the MAGA embrace of Putin and their candidates' embrace of Putin. I do think that the combination of those lies and this dissonance between sort of Reaganism 
that a lot of these uh, Republicans, you know, came in to the party in the Reagan era and to now have that party completely flip and see what's going on with Trump and DeSantis in, in particular, I think is a double whammy that could open that Bannon line quite a bit. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, the Bannon line is a group of voters that Steve Bannon himself suggested that there are three, four percent of them, Republicans, who if the Lincoln Project and others could get to, to move away from the Republican Party, it would stop Trump's chances of winning in 2020. That line clearly has grown, mm -hmm. both as you see these Fox viewers uh, starting to be disenchanted, but also that it's grown as, as some former Republicans or people who still even think that they're Republicans today started having more and more problems with the authoritarian nature of what the mega cult party has now become. And so I think that that's what we're seeing in these polling numbers on Fox. And I think what we're seeing is as DeSantis and Trump try to outdo each other on on supporting Putin, um, I think that dissonance is going to increase and the Bannon line is growing. That's a big opportunity to shift those voters in the 2024 election. Joe, like you said, it's it's a it's a small but really important kind of sliver of voters. I mean, that's what we spent most of our time targeting in 2022 to great success. It's what the Lincoln Project did in 2020 to great success. And that's what we're going to do next year. Yeah. But I mean, the, the thing here is, remember, we've always said it's the small slices that are going to decide a lot of the electoral college votes in these states. So if you, again, going back to last cycle, you know, some 15,000 votes decided Georgia 44,000 or so decided Pennsylvania. If you start to pull those Bannon line voters over, and they're ready to go, a lot of them. Uh, again, and I think the big lie, the more that's now exposed and the more people believe that you know the election wasn't stolen, that they've been lied to by Fox, the more they see, I think, DeSantis and others, and you know, and Tucker root for Putin and speak out against helping Ukraine. I think there will be former Reagan Republicans who I think have already started to realize it's not their party anymore, but now may start to actually, and we've seen them, they, a lot of them did swing their votes to Biden in 2020. And I think a lot of those voters actually helped keep the House in play and close for Democrats in 2022. And I think it's growing. So that's all good stuff. I'm glad we got there because I think we never want to miss an opportunity to further reveal a rift or something that would drive Republicans off of what the GOP has become. Obviously, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, this has not been a particularly great week for Ron DeSantis. Uh, well, maybe his base might think so. Actually, they probably do. But uh, neither of us probably find it shocking as all, at all, like you said at the top. Ron DeSantis is pro-Russia. Wow. I think this week he's he's calling the Russian invasion a, that has killed tens of thousands of people, cost billions and billions and all kinds of property damage, all the the whole Ukraine war, quote, a territorial dispute, unquote, that we have no business engaging in. Joe, like you said, but there's some really interesting, th th this goes deeper than just that. No, it's, look, this is a guy who in 2015, and I'll read the quote, quote, we in the Congress have been urging the president, I've been to provide arms to Ukraine. They want to fight their good fight. They're not asking us to fight for them. 
That was in 2015. That's Ron DeSantis, pro-Ukraine, I guess, arguably anti-Russia <laughs> or Putin in 2015. But now Tucker and the base are all Putin all the time. And so it shouldn't shock anybody that DeSantis is now calling it a territorial dispute that we have, you know, not a, not our problem, nothing to see here. It has just totally turned pro-Russia. Well, the reason he's turning pro-Russia is because this is what's happening in the party. The party has become completely authoritarian and completely enamored with Putin. Why? Because Tucker's been pushing it, because Trump pushed it. And I think when you get into this autocracy, democracy split uh, that's going on in the country, he has to outflank Trump. And so I think you're going to see, you know, the, the ultra mega base clearly wants a strong man. They support Putin too. And so, you know, DeSantis has figured all this out, as has Trump. And he's hiding behind this, we don't want to give Ukraine a handout, but that's not really what's going on here. As he pointed out in 2015, they're fighting the good fight. And they're not asking us to fight for them. They're just asking for support and help and to hold an alliance together that can help provide the material and the arms they need to fight a horrendous invasion that has it hasn't killed tens of thousands. It's probably now in the hundreds of thousands and displaced millions. DeSantis doesn't give a damn. He's just going to play to that base. And that's where the one thing and I, I wrote about that's in a piece for Resolute Square is Look, in the past, we've had parties. Each party has moved to ex its extreme base. Um, you know, Goldwater with Republicans, you get so hard right that you get blown out, you know, in an election. And it's happened to Democrats as well. Basically, the primaries produce turnouts of more conservative or more liberal than the liberals in the party. We nominate those. That's who, who fight in the general. And the thing starts to get one of the parties gets too far one way or the other, and you, you suffer a lot of losses. The difference now is that the Republican Party is not moving further and further to the right. This isn't a party moving you know, more conservative. It's a party that's moving more mean, more angry, more resentment, more retribution. That's why all of a sudden Trump is, you know, I am your retribution. And now, and now DeSantis, the only way to win their primary is not to become more conservative or a more hardline conservative. It's to become a more hardline authoritarian, stronger fighter for revenge and retribution. And that's where DeSantis is going to try to outmaneuver Trump or Trump outmaneuver DeSantis. It's not the crazies anymore. This is the party now. Um, and I think. You know, when you when you look at this uh, and understand what's going on, the press still covers it like there is a ideological right to left spectrum going fight going on. It's not. This is autocracy versus democracy. Their side is promising retribution, taking power and getting back uh, and feeling anger and, and hate, which is what Tucker does every night. Um, and what Trump was fueling. And, you know, when you really look at the GOP's one-time claim on being a party that stood for strong national defense and foreign policy expertise 
has been laid to rest. Indeed, they now appear to be anti-rule of law, anti-democracy, and pro-war criminal. But think about how dark that is. Each potential outrage, almost impending doom, they've got to make it even doomier and gloomier and more afraid to, you know, we've got to fight and we've got to take this stuff on. And they want a strong man to do it. This is only going to get darker. The rhetoric is going to get hotter and it's going to get meaner. And the problem with that is if you move over ideologically to the right, and you, you know, a gold water happens, you know, ideologically you move out of sync and your party loses. The problem with this is they're going to get so dark, so angry, so mean. I think the same thing will happen. They'll be defeated because of this, because they're moving to a meaner, angrier, more retribution, revenge kind of push is what they're going to do. And that's going to get darker. But when they lose that, and we already saw this with January 6th, once you've stoked that up, that dark, that doomy, you really are stoking people out there who, when this cult is defeated in 2024, which I now think will, will again happen because of where they're going, how extreme they're getting in their rhetoric, and in you know, siding with Rothkopf said, anti-rule of law, anti-democracy, and pro-war criminal. That's, that's their promise for America. And I think America will reject that. The problem is in the rhetoric, in the getting darker, in the getting meaner, in the promise of even more you know, you know, tougher, angrier retribution that we have to go get these people, and, and rhetoric always against the other and raising the, the doomsday of what happens when the other, if we don't go get the other, I think you're looking at, at, yes, it doesn't end well in terms of an electoral defeat for them, but it doesn't end well for the nation because there will be many people out there um, who are, I think, um, being fueled and energized to take action if these dark monsters lose. That's the thing that really concerns me about where this party is going. It's going off the rails. It's not going off the rails ideologically. It's going off the rails in a completely different way than we've ever seen. It's this authoritarian, you know, grasp for power at any cost. And I think the rhetoric that it will take them to get there, that darker anger that they're going to fuel is, is not going to dissipate when they're defeated. The media tends to say, oh, there's no coming back, but there's like, how are they going to square this position with a flip that they do next? You know, for example, it's a lot different than DeSantis saying, give Ukraine weapons and now saying, don't get involved in a territorial dispute, that that kind of flip. This is a lot different because it's much harder to come back from this, I don't meanness is the, is the word, but this authoritarian strongman bent, because the instant you show any kind of anything other than that, it's weakness. And I remember, I mean, one of the, one of the pods from early on in our run, I think it was, it was, it was 2021, early 2021, maybe late 2020, we had Stuart Stevens on. And he talked about how a consistent frame to the GOP base forever was framing it in terms of strength, framing issues in terms of strength versus weakness. And obviously it's gotten much, much darker in the past two years since we talked to him about it. But 
it's very difficult for Ron DeSantis to go and attack everything as woke and Donald Trump to say, I am your retribution, all of that stuff, and then say anything other than that because the same people you get ginned up are not going to just turn around and say, oh, yeah, the kinder, gentler, like the Glenn Youngkin reboot that he barely managed to pull off is much, much harder. You can't put a sweater vest on this. Let's not pretend that there's some kind of serious conflict on the GOP side of this stuff. It's you, you watch, you see Nikki Haley, you see they're starting to move. Remember the Reagan optimism. Well, the, even the optimists have now turned dark and are and are moving into the darkness here. What's really problematic about the whole thing is what Trump and DeSantis are doing, aside from you know stoking the anger, stoking the resentment and the retribution to drive people to, to their side of things, uh, to drive people into this authoritarian, yeah, we need to take power to do this. They're also strengthening Putin. Putin understands that with Trump and DeSantis out there leading the charge saying, hey, we can't keep helping Ukraine. It's, it's just a territorial dispute. He gets that if he can just hold on, continue the war, he wants this weakened American resolve. And he won't stop if he thinks he can break the West. And they're basically saying, yes, yes, you can break the West. <laughs> we shouldn't be in there. We shouldn't be doing this. I mean, uh, Jennifer Rubin in the Post said, only when Putin is convinced that the West will remain united, whatever the outcome of future elections, will he be convinced to give up on his dream of conquest? This is what they're doing. They are they're not only stoking this angry authoritarian grab for power uh, and doing it in a way with anger and, and promises of retribution that will create a lot of people going to the polls to, who want that retribution, who respond to that anger, who want that strongman. At the same time, they're reinforcing this imperial conquest of Putin's to continue to do it. Um, because if he thinks they can break U.S. resolve, that's what he wants. He wants to break the West, and they're actually helping him break the West. That's what Tucker does every night. And so that's why the number of Fox viewers starting to not trust the network, 13% saying that they no longer believe in the lie of the election, that we have um, these two guys run. And by the way, the rest of the field will join them. I want to see who it is in the party who runs for president of the United States in the mega-controlled GOP who screams at the top of their lungs, yeah, we have to stop Putin, get totally behind Ukraine. It ain't going to happen, folks. The Larry Hogans are out. You're, you're going to see this. Henry Olson, who really, really knows his stuff, we can link this column. Um, he published literally Joe while we were talking about this, and we'll link it in the show notes. He raises a really interesting question. I'm curious as to your take. So his point is, what DeSantis is doing, and obviously it's following the, the kind of Tucker Hughes trying to get, get in that kind of Trump lane, he raises the point that it's a really serious blunder for him in his attempt to, to grab this nomination. Uh, Republicans are about 50-50, by the way, on, on providing military aid. But his, his point is basically, this makes it harder for him to pull people away from Trump and get the few last anti-Trump, because he's not going to out-Trump Trump on Ukraine. 
And now he's pushing away the, as you call them, the few Reagan-ish type people who are still okay with Ukraine aid. And they're, it's almost like he's significantly narrowing his lane on this. It's all a fantasy. You know, the media claims that the GOP's divided, that McConnell and Chris Christie type or just don't have the juice anymore. You know, the base doesn't want that. It wants it wants this and it wants Putin. And, you know, basically, you know, Trump helped fuel all that by hugging Putin and kowtowing to him and and talk about what a wonderful friend he was. And he did it with North Korea. He was able to somehow, along with Tucker Carlson and others, to sort of fuel this embrace of authoritarianism with with people who who came of age politically under Reagan. And probably join the party because of the optimism and the strong foreign policy and defense, you know, morning in America. It's all gone. It's all burning ember. And the party isn't made up of those people. Now you can't even tell who's chasing who. Is this Trump and DeSantis chasing the base? Because that's where the base is, damn it. And I, I want to win. Uh, no one's going to talk truth to them. Certainly not Tucker Carlson or Fox. So this is a real uh, problem. No party can go to the extreme in its wings and win elections. And I said, I was part of it. I was with Kennedy in 1980 against Carter. We got two terms of Reagan and a term Herbert Walker Bush before three straight times where the progressive wing tried and did not win. And then, of course, you have Bill Clinton come more of a centrist, more pro-business Democrat. It took, it took 12 years to write that, it kind of moving too far, too fast for the American people. Well, the, the same thing happened on the Republican side, uh, and Goldwater being a great example of that. My point would be, those were ideological moves to the right or the left. This is a move down into darkness. I mean, it is, there's not an ideology here. It's it's about authoritarianism and power and getting your way even if you don't win. And when you have two guys like DeSantis and Trump basically pulling the party darker and deeper into that doom drain, they've got entire parties swirling around the doom drain. And now Nikki Haley and the other candidates that are thinking about are being either pulled in to that swirl around that drain and are going to join the dooms guys, or they're like Larry Hogan, they're not going to go. That means that the extreme that they're moving into will be rejected by the American people. I have no doubt about that. I really don't. I know they're like, oh my God, what? No, they are circling the doom drain and there will be enough Americans out there who we have to do the work. We have to make sure that we keep going after Fox. We keep exposing the lies. But we can do this, this work. The American people will not follow them down the doom drain. That's not the problem. The problem will be the millions of people they lead to that dark place. What will their reaction be when it all falls apart and they lose another election? We saw what happened on January 6th. I don't think it ends well for the country in terms of the violence that might be unleashed by where these two supposed leaders of a party are taking their party, and with it, they'll they'll happily take the country down that doom drain if they can. Joe, I, I think our, our DeSantis deep dive, which led us back to Trump at the end, we really good reader question this week I want to make sure we have time for. 
Um, we'll get back to the some that South Carolina stuff we teased in another show. We'll probably do a lot more on that. We've gotten a lot of questions about where where people think abortion is this year and, and what's going to happen in terms of the political ramifications for next year. But this one was interesting given the news from Georgia that we talked about at the top. This is a listener question from Fiona who said, I listen to some of the podcasts on Resolute Square and others, and the opinion I keep hearing is that Trump will win the GOP nomination. Here's a question she had. What if the GOP and its nominee, Ron DeSantis, for example, if it's not Trump, offers Trump a pardon deal, endorsing DeSantis for the presidency, and if he wins, he'll pardon you? Joe, I laughed when I read this because it's pretty funny to me. Given what happened this week, what, what do you think? Well, like all the stuff that's happening on their side right now, it involves that there would be a nominee who would be able to offer Trump a, a pardon is not possible. It's going to be Trump. If it's not Trump, it's over too. There's no way. I'm, Trump is going to make sure that that person is not, not president. I mean, he will, he will tell everybody to sit on their hands. It's not going to be a unified party. Trump doesn't give a damn about that party. What he probably believes is, I'll be president, I'll hurt my own ass. In a normal world, a bunch of party elders go to, to somebody and say, hey, you can't do this. It'll take the party down. Here's a deal. Trump doesn't believe anybody can win except for himself. So that's your first problem. So you're telling me you can beat me and there's where I should get out. Not going to happen. Second of all, he knows running in his head protects him um, because he can say this is all deep state trying to take him out. And that's why they've indicted me. And he knows if he wins, he doesn't have to worry about any of this. Right now, he thinks he doesn't have to worry about any of the crap he did when he was president the first time. It's quaint thought. And I'm not trying to put our listener Fiona down. I think it's a fun question. But I don't think any way in hell that we're going to see anything like that. So, Joe, that's as good a place to end as any this week. Uh, we got we got more coming. We got a bunch more reader questions and listener questions to get to. But uh, for now, that's all the time we've got. Okay, thanks, Alex. Thanks for listening to that trippy show, everyone. A reminder that this podcast will always be free. It's now part of Resolute Square, a new force in the fight against the right-wing outrage machine, taking on Fox, and it's working. Check out the latest at ResoluteSquare.com slash trippy. Please subscribe to That Trippy Show. Leave us a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question and review on iTunes. We're going to mess with the format of the show a little bit. So stay tuned and we'll see you next week. I am Anthony Scaramucci, and you may know me from my career on Wall Street or my 11 days in the White House. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I'll tell you, if you read books, you can. I love to read, and my new podcast, Open Book, is about just that. Each book is this curated source of knowledge, which we can buy for $10 and digest in 10 hours. Together with some of the brightest minds and authors out there, I'll turn the pages on everything from history and psychology to finance and tech. You can find Open Book with Anthony Scaramucci on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there.